Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep. Slow, quiet stories to help you fall asleep. It's a big week for the podcast. This week, we hit 100,000 downloads. When I started this last July, I had no idea it would ever get to 100,000 downloads. And I want to say thanks so much to all of you for listening and for sharing and uh, just for being a generally great audience. I love hearing from all of you. If you want to get in touch, you can always email me at eric at listen to sleep.com or you can hit me up on Twitter at listen to sleep or Instagram. Another great way to keep in touch is through the Patreon. If you'd like to join up at patreon.com slash listen to sleep for just $1 a month, you can get the podcast there without any ads or introductions. Just pretty much get straight to the story. And you'll also be helping me to live my goal of being a storyteller for a living. Right now, my goal is to get the Patreon up to $500 a month to help pay for the expenses of the podcast and to help pay for me to spend a little bit more time working on it every month. If you can help out, that's great. If you can't, don't worry about it. And if you want what's on the Patreon and you can't afford it, that's no big deal. Just send me an email and I will send you an RSS link to get it all for free. To celebrate 100,000 downloads, we're going to go back to where it all started, from the book In the Days of Giants, a book of Norse tales. The first podcast episode is still one of the most popular, because a lot of people start there when they find the podcast. So, we're going to pick up where we left off with part one of The Magic Apples. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Get cozy. Let your mind just drift off. If you get sleepy, just let yourself go to sleep. The Magic Apples, part one. It is not very amusing to be a king. Father Odin often grew tired of sitting all day long upon his golden throne in Valhalla above the heavens. He wearied of welcoming the new heroes whom the Valkyries brought him from wars upon the earth, and of watching the old heroes fight their daily deathless battles. He wearied of his wise ravens and the constant gossip which they brought him from the four corners of the world. And he longed to escape from everyone who knew him to some place where he could pass for a mere stranger instead of the great king of the Asir, the mightiest being in the whole universe of whom everyone was afraid. Sometimes he longed so much that he could not bear it. Then he would run away. He disguised himself as a tall old man with white hair and a long gray beard. Around his shoulders 
he threw a huge blue cloak that covered him from top to toe. Over his face, he pulled a big slouch hat to hide his eyes. For his eyes, Odin could not change. No magician has ever learned how to do that. One was empty. He had given the eye to the giant Mimer in exchange for wisdom. Usually, Odin loved to go upon these wanderings alone, for an adventure is a double adventure when one meets it single-handed. It was a fine game for Odin to see how near he could come to danger without feeling the grip of its teeth. But sometimes, when he wanted company, he would whisper to his two brothers, Hanir and Red Loki. They three would creep out of the palace by the back way, and with a finger on the lip to Heimdall, the watchman, would silently steal over the rainbow bridge which led from Asgard into the places of men and dwarves and giants. Wonderful adventures they had, these three, with Loki to help make things happen. Loki was a sly, mischievous fellow, full of his pranks and his capers, not always kindly ones. But he was clever, as well as malicious. And when he had pushed folk into trouble, he could often help them out again, as safe as ever. He could be the jolliest of companions when he chose, and Odin liked his merriment and his witty talk. One day, Loki did something which was no mere jest, nor easily forgiven, for it brought all Asgard into danger. And after that, Father Odin and his children thought twice before inviting Loki to join them in any journey or undertaking. This which I am about to tell was the first really wicked deed of which Loki was found guilty, though I am sure his red beard had dabbled in secret wrongs before. One night, the three high gods, Odin, Hunir, and Loki, stole away from Asgard in search of adventure. Over mountains and deserts, great rivers and stony places, they wandered until they grew very hungry. But there was no food to be found, not even a berry or a nut. Oh, how footsore and tired they were, and oh, how faint. The worst of it ever is that, as you must often have noticed, the heavier one's feet grow, the lighter and more hollow becomes one's stomach, which seems a strange thing when you think of it. If only one's feet became as light as the rest of one feels, folk could fairly fly with hunger. Alas, this is not so. The three Asir drooped and drooped, 
and seemed on the point of starving when they came to the edge of a valley. Here, looking down, they saw a herd of oxen feeding on the grass. Hola, shouted Loki. Behold our supper. Going down into the valley, they caught and killed one of the oxen. And building a great bonfire, hung up the meat to roast. Then the three sat around the fire and smacked their lips, waiting for the meat to cook. They waited for a long time. Surely it is done now, said Loki at last, and he took the meat from the fire. Strange to say, however, it was raw as ere the fire was lighted. What could it mean? Never before had meat required so long a time to roast. They made the fire brighter and rehung the beef for a thorough basting, cooking it even longer than they had done at first. When again they came to carve the meat, they found it still uneatable. Then, indeed, they looked at one another in surprise. What can this mean? cried Loki with round eyes. There is some trick, whispered Hanir, looking around as if he expected to see a fairy or a witch meddling with the food. We must find out what this mystery betokens, said Odin thoughtfully. Just then, there was a strange sound in the oak tree under which they had built their fire. What is that? Loki shouted, springing to his feet. They looked up into the tree, and far above, in the branches, near the top, they spied an enormous eagle, who was staring down at them, and making a queer sound, as if he were laughing. Ho, ho, croaked the eagle. I know why your meat will not cook. It is all my doing, masters. The three Asir stared in surprise. Then Odin said sternly, Who are you, Master Eagle? And what do you mean by those rude words? Give me my share of the ox, and you shall see, rasped the eagle in his harsh voice. Give me my share, and you will find that your meat will cook as fast as you please. Now the three on the ground were nearly famished. So, although it seemed very strange to be arguing with an eagle, they cried as if in one voice, Come down then and take your share. They thought that being a mere bird, he would want but a small piece. The eagle flapped down from the top of the tree. Dear me, what a mighty bird he was. Eight feet across the wings was the smallest measure, and his claws were as long and strong as ice hooks. He fanned the air like a whirlwind, as he flew down to perch beside the bonfire. Then, 
in his beak and claws, he seized a leg and both shoulders of the ox and started to fly away. Hold, thief, roared Loki angrily when he saw how much the eagle was taking. That is not your share. You are no lion, but you are taking the lion's share of our feast. Be gone, Scarecrow, and leave the meat as you found it. Thereat, seizing a pole, he struck the eagle with all his might. Then a strange thing happened. As the great bird flapped upward with his prey, giving a scream of malicious laughter, the pole which Loki still held stuck fast to the eagle's back, and Loki was unable to let go of the other end. Help! Help! he shouted to Odin and to Honir, as he felt himself lifted off his feet. But they could not help him. Help! Help! he screamed as the eagle flew with him, now high, now low, through brush and bog and briar, over treetops and the peaks of mountains. On and on they went, until Loki thought his arm would be pulled out like a weed torn up by the roots. The eagle would not listen to his cries nor pause in his flight until Loki was almost dead with pain and fatigue. Hark you, Loki, screamed the eagle, going a little more slowly. No one can help you except me. You are bewitched, and you cannot pull away from this pole, nor loose the pole from me until I choose. But if you will promise what I ask, you shall go free. Then Loki groaned, Oh, eagle, only let me go and tell me who you really are, and I will promise whatever you wish. The eagle answered, I am the giant Thiassa, the enemy of the Aesir. But you ought to love me, Loki, for you yourself married a giantess. Loki moaned, Oh, yes, I dearly love all my wife's family, great Thiassa. Tell me what you want of me. I want this, quoth Thiassa gruffly. I am growing old, and I want the apples which Edun keeps in her golden casket to make me young again. You must get them for me. Now, these apples were the fruit of a magic tree and were more beautiful to look at and more delicious to taste than any fruit that ever grew. The best thing about them was that whoever tasted one, be he ever so old, grew young and strong again. The apples belonged to a beautiful lady named Eden, who kept them in a golden casket. Every morning, 
the Aesir came to her to be refreshed and made over by a bite of her precious fruit. That is why in Asgard no one ever waxed old or ugly. Even Father Odin, Honir, and Loki, the three travelers who had seen the very beginning of everything when the world was made, were still sturdy and young. And so long as Eden kept her apples safe, the faces of the family who sat about the tables of Valhalla would be rosy and fair, like the faces of children. Oh, friend giant, cried Loki, you know not what you ask. The apples are the most precious treasure of Asgard, and Eden keeps watch over them as if they were dearer to her than life itself. I never could steal them from her, Thiassa, for at her call, all Asgard would rush to the rescue, and trouble would buzz about my ears like a hive of bees let loose. Then you must steal Eden herself, apples and all, for the apples I must have, and you have promised, Loki, to do my bidding. Loki sniffed and thought, thought and sniffed again. Already his mischievous heart was planning how he might steal Eden away. He could hardly help laughing to think how angry the Asir would be when they found their beauty medicine gone forever. But he hoped that when he had done this trick for Thiassa, now and then the giant would let him have a nibble of the magic apples, so that Loki himself would remain young long after the other Asir were grown old and feeble. This thought suited Loki's malicious nature well. I think I can manage it for you, Thiassa, he said craftily. In a week, I promise to bring Eden and her apples to you, but you must not forget the great risk which I am running, nor that I am your relative by marriage. I may have a favor to ask in return, Thiassa. Then the eagle gently dropped Loki from his claws. Falling on a soft bed of moss, Loki jumped up and ran back to his traveling companions, who were glad and surprised to see him. They had feared that the eagle was carrying him away to feed his young eaglets in some far-off nest. Ah, you may be sure that Loki did not tell them who the eagle really was, nor confess the wicked promise which he had made about Eden and her apples. After that, the three went back to Asgard, for they had had adventure enough for one day. Good night.